<laughs> Welcome, friends, to Journey of Being a Disciple podcast, where we want to share with you all God is teaching us on our journey of being a disciple. Yes, I said we and us, because today I have a guest on the podcast. It's Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Hi. She's like quiet. She's like, what? <laughs> da, da. Um, I'm not going to try to say your last name because I know I'm going to get it wrong again. Um, but Krishna, if you do not know her, is a woman that goes here to Discovery. She's like a young adult. And uh, <laughs> before we jump into more details about her, uh, Krishna, I have already talked to her and told her that um, I believe Krishna is already a very humble, open, transparent person. Um, but I already told her that's what I ask everyone and to be unapologetically herself. Um, Krishna, how has this uh, past two months been? We're in phase two right now. Not phase. We're, we're about to enter phase two for discovery, but Florida has reopened. Work, life, how's it been? Um been a fun time <laughs> so coronavirus I think like at the beginning was really horrible mm-hmm. because I have got I got stripped of everything that I love which is church <laughs> and I'm here like three days a week yep. <laughs> and the gym and I'm there way too many times <laughs> um, and community and those are the things that I love most in this world the things that give me value or that add value to my life and mm-hmm. give me purpose and when I lost those in the beginning, I struggled really hard and I had to go through some processes with me and Jesus to kind of remind me like, hey, it ain't about what you do, it's about me and you. Ooh, that kind of rhymes. <laughs> there you go. Sticky statement. <laughs> um, you know, and so I had to go through that. That was rough and not fun. Um, but after I went through that and really dealt with that and reminding me of like, you know, true relationship with God is what's most important and that's the yeah. heart of everything and I've been able to slow down and really just focus on time with him and be at peace in that yeah. and and honestly I've been super grateful I still have my job um, so I, most of my world hasn't been rocked too much it's just like everything outside of my job and once I came to terms with that I think yeah. everything has been good and God has just given me a, a true time of rest because I'm not good at resting <laughs> mm. So it's a forced nice rest time. Amen. I'm really bad at resting too. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, awesome. We're going to jump in, but before we do it, let's pray real quick and uh, by God in this time. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this time that you uh, have given us. Thank you for the community that you have given Krishna and I. Um, Lord, I just ask for whoever is listening to this, uh, may they be able to enter a posture of receiving. May they be able to hear um, what you have been teaching Krishna and what you have been showing her. And um, may they be able to be spoken in a way that you only can speak to them, Lord. Um, God, I ask as we continue to talk about um, Krishna's life and dig into it and have a conversation, may we continue to put you on the throne where you belong. And may we be mouthpieces to give you all the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, Krishna, uh, I ask people lately, what is your rap sheet? Someone meets Krishna, it's like a little paper they get. What are they going to need to know about Krishna? Well, first of all, that isn't going to sum up Krishna, okay? You cannot put <laughs> Krishna on a rap sheet, but... It's going to be a 10-page essay. Yes, uh, even longer, a book, okay? <laughs> so anyways, I'm going to just focus on, like, what does the world look at, right? Okay? So um, I am 30 years old. Ugh. But I also love being 30, not going to lie. Um, I am not married. I don't have kids. And I wish I had a dog, but I don't. Um, I am a lawyer. I go to Discovery. I've been here about 18 years. Um, I have 
two parents <laughs> and a sister who's married okay. um and i mean like what i put on my rap sheet i am a type two on the enneagram yep. i think that's important for everybody to know and as far as myers brig i am an esfj <laughs> enfp that's what i am Ooh, okay okay we're opposite except for the e <laughs> Okay, awesome. Um, okay, so the one thing, so the way I met you was mm-hmm. summer camp mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. We led a team together, Purple Pandas. Was it two or three? Two, because three years ago, I think we saw each other. You okay. were at camp and I was at camp, okay, but okay. two years ago is the actual first time we led. I remember I saw Christian was my co-leader and I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> and I was just wondering, like, is she going to be as hype as I am? <laughs> and I remember uh, we had fun. That was that was a good team. It took a while. Yeah. I was like, who is this person and how is he so loud? I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> and I told you, I was like, I turn it on and off. That's not me all the time, uh, except sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we had fun and that was really awesome. But I remember the one thing, I remember I had a friend, um, and you know her, Kate, and she's like, she's a boss woman. <laughs> and I think that's like the first thing I learned about you. And like, I learned that you were a boss woman and you, uh, you just get things done and you're like a lawyer. So I want to start with that. <laughs> okay because that's just like i think if someone knows krishna she's a that's what like, i always say she's a lawyer she's gonna she's like a boss but it's not like bad you're a child of god too i'll say that too <laughs> too <laughs> awesome <laughs> but i will i want to talk about law because i know it's something that uh, is a big part of your life currently it's your career mm-hmm. that's everything that you've been in and you've gone to school for law even in here in orlando um so i want to talk about that let's talk about um how did you get into law and uh, let, let, let's just go with that first. Okay. So, um, I will say that, yes, I do get things done. I ain't going to refute that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also sensitive and sweet. Don't mm-hmm. forget about that. Let's put that on my rap sheet. Um, there you go. So, being a lawyer. Um, there are multiple factors that went into it. Um, influence from my mom. So, she says... Um, also not wanting to graduate from college and go to the real world. That's really scary. Um, but more than anything, I think, um, I really, really just wanted to be in a field where I could have more knowledge than the average person in something. And then also to be able to help people. I really, really wanted to help people. I know like a lot of times when you think of a lawyer, you're like power and money. Granted, I have none, neither of those things now. <laughs> so, you know, I did it genuinely for the reason to be able to help people. Uh-huh. And, and I really do feel like I've been able to live into that. I've yeah. definitely helped people through some really crappy times. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go into, this is something that we talked about with, uh, being some pivotal moments in your life. And one of them has to do with your first job in the field. So can you, uh, tell me about your first job in the field and then, um, kind of talk about what happened to make it such a pivotal moment. Uh, what was the pivotal moment in your life during that time? Mm-hmm. So I love the word, the field, because it makes me feel like I'm like a detective or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, so my first job, real job as an attorney, I had a, a job before, but it mm-hmm. was more of just like a job to have. Um, yeah. It was a family law attorney, and I was a litigator. If you don't know what that means, it means I was in court. I was fighting for, you know, what my co- clients wanted. Um, and so I worked for this guy who was known as a pit bull. <laughs> There's a reason that he's <laughs> called that, okay? He was aggressive, and mm-hmm. he got things done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was also... Um, a little bit scary sometimes because he had some major anger problems Mm. and 
he had, you know, fits where he would just yell and yell at people and cuss at them. If you got like one thing wrong, like I'd go into work and I sometimes wouldn't know if he'd be in a good mood or a bad mood. Mm-hmm. If he's a good mood, things would be okay. He'd still get mad, but it's like yeah. not horrible. If it was a bad mood, the, a phone call could drop like because our internet dropped or something and he would like lose his ever loving mind. And so I was just <laughs> always like on eggshells. It was a horrible, horrible way to live, but okay. you know, I had to make sure I was doing my best. And then, you know, being in that field also, I had, I was young and I was a woman and, you know, and I had to be seen as strong and I had to be seen as someone that was confident and knew what I was doing. And so I really did, I know I hate the saying and I really faked it until I made it, yeah, you know, yeah. because I had to be seen as someone that was worth listening to and worth paying money to, to do something. And so yeah. I went into that place and I pretended I didn't have emotions and Mm -hmm. I put on a strong face and honestly I think if you know me if you really know me that's the saying a lot because I have no poker face zero (laughs) you can tell if I'm upset or angry or sad and so I had to really change who I was and it was a horrible thing that you know I was doing and also like where I was working was not so fun the doing family law is not not ideal Mm -hmm. you know because I'm watching people fight over their children and put say nasty things about each other when they were once in love you know and it was just horrible um so what ended up happening was I was there for two and a half years yeah and this whole time you know my family my friends they saw me and how I was changing me and they're like Christian you need to just leave this job like this is messing you up and I'm like no like I'm praying, I'm praying, praying, praying. Like, God, this is what you want, this is what you want, this is what you want. And I never felt like God was leading me to leave. And I was just like, okay, okay. So I was driving to work one day and praying, you know, and um, God, I really felt like God was telling me, okay, you know, now is the time to leave. And my immediate reaction was like, oh, praise Jesus. (laughs) Thank God, you know, but at the same time, it's scary. You know, I was making really good money. I was successful in the world's eyes. Yeah. Literally successful in the world's eyes. Um, But I really had to take some more time to pray on it and make sure I really heard that's what God was saying and like talk to people that mattered and I valued their opinion. And, you know, I would say I didn't take that much time. It was like a week. And I really felt that's what God was calling me to do. So I had a conversation with my boss, and I stayed there as long as he wanted me to to finish up with my cases and whatnot. But I basically ended up quitting without a backup plan. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at that point, I think the – Anybody who has a rational mind thinks that I'm a little bit nuts. Why would you quit a job where you're making cash money and you have no backup plan? What's Mm -hmm. wrong with you? Yeah. Right? So – Basically, what ended up happening is, as I told myself, I would take a month off and I said, okay, I need to get my head and my spiritual and my emotional all just back in line and in the right and a good, healthy place, you know? And so within two to three weeks, I wasn't looking for any jobs. I was literally taking rest time. Within those two to three weeks, I actually got two job offers from people that God placed in my life and I'm working at one of them today. And it was just so crazy to me because that moment in that time, I took such a huge leap of faith in my eyes and honestly in everybody else's. And God just answered so quickly and so immediately and placed me mm. exactly where he wanted me to be. Like it, there's this quote that I really love by Martin Luther King. And I wrote it down because I'm like, I don't want to say it wrong. But he says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's good. And I wow. love that. Because that is 
really what faith is. And that for me was such a pivotal moment in my life because I was like, I can trust God. If God is calling me yeah. to something, if God is leading me to something, he will get me through it. Mm-hmm. Like Don says, one of my little Donisms, <laughs> where God guides, God provides. Yep. And that is so true. And he did that. But you're never going to know until you actually live out in faith, yeah. until you give God the opportunity to show you that he is God. Yeah. That's so, 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 so good, man. Um, I I love what you said about... Um, <laughs> sorry. You're good. I have to have my coffee. <laughs> you're good, you're good. Um, I love what you said about how you had to take that step of faith and all that. I want to go back to something real quick. I didn't want to interrupt you, but... Um, the one thing I think people hear is like, I'm waiting for God to tell me something. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for God to say this. I, I'm waiting for him. And then when they hear it, they're like, okay, it's time. Let's do it. And um, I feel like it's times where like I, I've been in a job where I hated my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, I need you to release me from this so I can quit because yeah. I hate this place. Right. And uh, the he didn't even release me. That's the crazy thing. He didn't release me until I had my new job and I was working it. Um, which is crazy because I was like, man, I might need to, I might need to put my two weeks in so I can stay here when I, if I do have to have like a backup plan. Um, but the main thing is I was waiting for him to say something Mm -hmm. and you said that he told you in the car, like, okay, Hey, it's, it's time for you to go. Mm -hmm. And it caught me like at first I was like, you didn't just immediately be like, okay, I'm going to job. I'm going to work and telling him like when I get to work right now, I'm going to say, I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm like, (laughs) he's, I, I, God has told me this. I'm gone. Um, why did you not have immediate obedience? You went to other people and he said it took like a week for you to like fully make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, why did you not just immediately like, um, because like people, we hear like delayed obedience is disobedience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in this situation, that's a little bit different because you, you didn't delay your obedience. Mm-hmm. So wh- why did you not immediately just obey God and be like, okay, I'm out? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it comes down to what it really comes down to is our heart is fickle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when your emotions are so heavily involved in something, they can influence your thought process in your mind and instead of you know when you're hearing god it can really just be what you want yeah and so i think we have to be super careful about discerning when is god speaking now in that moment i was like okay yes this is god but at the same time i didn't want to just jump on something such a big decision when i wasn't 100 percent sure yeah. i wanted to be fully sure and so i think big in response to that is just spending time quiet being still being with God and just being really sure. Like, if God wanted you to know otherwise, he will make it clear in that time. But you have to give him that space to really speak. And then speaking and letting people speak into my lives, it, it's people who I know are seeking God too. Yeah. And I know who are going to be listening to him. So if they're going to say, like, give me a word of caution or advisory or say, yes, this is what God wants, doesn't mean I'm going to take it as gold and that's what the thing is to do. Yeah. But at least helps me a little more to discern whether or not this is God speaking because once yeah. again this is not a decision like what am I going to eat for lunch this is a deci- <laughs> decision that changed the course of my life mm-hmm. that's good um, now I want to uh, that's awesome I love hearing that and I want to go into this next part of um, in the field of law I know you like me saying field um, <laughs> in that field it there's a lot of pressure yeah um, you, you said that there's been a lot of pressure I know in that first job that you had, and even now there's probably pressure that's on you. And yeah. even if we take out of, of careers, mm-hmm. um, there's times where we are put under a lot of pressure. How do you handle pressure? 
Under pressure. <laughs> That's all I can think of. <laughs> um, I don't know why, for some reason. But um, for pressure, I really just have to make it, I have to dumb it down and make it simple. When you're experiencing a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, whatever it is, your mind is consumed with whatever it is that you're stressed out about, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you try to divert it with with a bunch of complicated things, you're going to just lose focus. And so if you really want to find peace and find God in the midst of that moment, for me, I think the best thing to do was I do two things, scripture and prayer. And I do it really simply. I do, you know, God give me peace, God give me peace, God give me mm-hmm. peace. And I literally just repeat that because my brain can't handle anything else in that moment. <laughs> and, you know, or Lord be with me, you know, Holy Spirit give me peace. And like, same with scripture. I find a scripture that I know, which is why memorization is so important. It's important to have these scriptures on hand. Yeah. I mean, Google's great too, but it's also important to know them. And and just hold on to that scripture and just repeat the truth. Because what happens when you're in those moments of pressure or stress is because you're buying into a lie that the enemy is telling you. And God has truth and God is there with you. You just have to remind your mind of that and like reframe it and just be in that place instead of that unhealthy place you were previously. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so looking at that now, um, we talked about how you handle pressure and there was one verse that you, you mentioned that you didn't, you didn't oh, yeah. say, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about it. Um, it was second Timothy. Um, do you mind reading that? And, uh, is it second Timothy? Was I right? Second Timothy two yeah. seven. I actually have that one memorized. <laughs> I, I don't. So can you tell us more about second Timothy and what that meant to you? Right. Right. So, 2 Timothy 2.7 is, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm. Of course, every version is a little different, but that's basically the gist of it. Yeah. And that one's really important because I think, I believe, I'm not God, so who's saying I'm right? (laughs) But I believe that almost everything that you're going to experience when it comes to anxiety and stress and pressure comes from a place of fear. You're afraid of something. I don't know what it is, but that root is there somewhere. And so God, I, you know, my parents actually told me this growing up. Yeah. Fear does not come from God. Yeah. God gives you discernment. God gives you wisdom. God gives you like, hey, check yourself. Maybe not go do this. Yeah. But God does not give you fear. Mm-hmm. So that scripture in and of itself is just that reminder, like, this is not from Jesus. Jesus does not want this for you. Yeah. And so to focus on what he does want and then allow him to work into your life and your soul to like kind of realign that with him versus the fear that you're buying into. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I, I love that. And I, I, I might memorize that verse now. It's a good it's one. A, it's a good <laughs> verse. Um, so I want to go back a little bit before we, uh, before we continue. Um, I want to dig into your life after um, college. So you went to college where? Palm Beach Atlantic University. Go and that was not in Orlando. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. Okay, so you went there. Yes. Um, and uh, what happened after college? You came to Orlando. Is this correct? Mm-hmm. And you started coming here to go to uh, school of law. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there was a season that you had, and there was a lot of stuff that happened in between that. Uh-huh. Could you kind of abound? Uh, not abound. Uh, <laughs> Expound, expand, expand. expand. (laughs) Uh, Can you talk about kind of uh, what happened in college, 
because we just talked about a season of life that you've, you you knew who God was. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to before, because okay. I think you, you told me before about how um, it, that wasn't the case all the time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what it was, what your life was in college before you came back to Orlando and the season of life that you had after coming back. Okay. So we're going to get into a little more detail here. <laughs> so I was raised Christian, and I went to college, a Christian college, actually. Palm Beach Atlantic yeah. is a Christian college. Um, and I went to this mindset of, like, knowing God, having a relationship with Him, you know, going to church, but not going to lie, like, I went, like, maybe once every couple months. Mm-hmm. Just because that wasn't my priority at that time. Yeah. Did I mean, I loved God. I had Bible study sometimes, but I just had so much, other, you know, so many other things going on that I just kind of was like, nah, I'm doing this. Yeah. So it's not to say that I like abandoned God, but it's more that I put him kind of not in the right place of priority. Yeah. And so I made some decisions that were, you know, I was just you know, living that college life. <laughs> Parted a little bit and, you know, wasn't making the best decisions. And so I was living my best life, as people like to say, yep. from the outside perspective. But I honestly was a little empty. Mm-hmm. I know it's cliche, but at the same time, it's very true. Mm-hmm. So I came back from college. I went to law school. I came back home because um, I went to law school in Orlando for yeah. financial reasons, the cheapest way possible. <laughs> um, got to live back at home. And so I went from being this independent adult, finding myself, living my best life in my own eyes or whatever, to coming back home, being stuck at home with my parents who were a little, their relationship was a little volatile at the moment. And um being literally i sat the same place every single day studying for law school because it was miserable all they Mm -hmm. did was tell you that you're gonna fail so you better study all day every day oh my gosh yep um and i lost my friends you know we're still friends honestly the people i have friends from college but like they're not here none of them are from orlando so i lost my friend group i lost everything i thought was important and now i was living this life of just studying all the time with my parents and so I just went through like a really rough patch and um, I, through a season and I like to call a little bit, like I wasn't clinically diagnosed or anything, but it was, I know myself well and like it was a season of kind of like a depression mm-hmm. and I was pretty miserable and unhappy and um, I was like, I need to do something. I need to fix this. And so I got involved at Discovery, which is actually the first time my family, even though we've been here for a very long time, that we, I was the first one to get involved. And my whole family's involved now, thanks yeah. to that. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. <laughs> but I got involved. I found community. I found a Bible study. And it was through that process. And also, like, I started reading the Bible in a year. So I was really in the Word. And um, through that process that I really just, God kind of, I love this so much. God met me right where I was. Yeah. And I love that he can do that. We Mm -hmm. don't have to measure up. We don't have to get to a certain place. And then he's like, okay, now I love you. No, like God meets you right where you're at. And the icky and the sticky and the gross and the ugly. Like he's there for you. And so he met me where I was, gentle and loving. And I love this so much. Like God is a gentleman. (laughs) He does not force anything upon you. So when you seek him, he comes and meets you where you are. And that's where I was in that phase in life. And I really just felt growth and his presence and it was just like a pivotal turning moment um like i like to say it went i went from god being a part of my life to god being the reason i live my life and ever since then like i have not it's pivotally pivotally 
Wow, that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a word. It was a big, let's just say an important moment. Pivotal. A pivotal moment. I want to say pivotally, but that's what? <laughs> um, it was a pivotal moment in my life where it really just transformed my spiritual life and my relationship with God. And ever since then, I haven't seen it the same way. And it, it was because I so desperately needed God. And he so came through. And he's been so real to me ever since. Yeah. I, I love that because it. I loved what you said when you said he met you where you are. Mm-hmm. And he's a gentleman and all that. And that's what yeah. you needed. Yeah. You needed a God that's like that. And, and um, I think when people hear other people's story, they're like, I'm looking for that God. I'm looking for that. God knows what we need. Right. And to be honest, I don't need a gentleman. <laughs> I... I, I'm just honest with you. I need someone that is going to shake me because I, I can easily like take advantage of people that are very nice to me and like so caring and all that. But like right. I need someone that's going to be like, I'm not going to take your BS, Roberto. <laughs> I'm going to slap you in the face and tell you you're wrong and I'm going to hope that you follow what, what I think is right. Yeah. So it's like when he had to meet me in my time of need when mm-hmm. I was going through a really rough time in life, uh, he kind of like just – I always say this. God slaps me in the face. Mm-hmm. He punches me in the gut. Mm-hmm. And it's like he doesn't do it of like I'm, he's trying to hurt me. He's doing it out of, Roberto, you need to realize something. Right. Because I, I don't know why, but that's just my mindset. That's how I'm – like that's just how I'm wired and everything is – I need someone to like really shake my foundation. He always does that. Yeah. But he always meets me everywhere I am. And he shakes the foundation. He does what I need. And I'm like, that's not a gentleman. I don't care what it is. It, it, <laughs> the thing is I see completely what you're saying though about like – he does not force things upon us, though. No matter how much he's like, Roberto, you really need to stop doing that. Or, Roberto, you need to turn. You need to repent of that. And it's like, you're right. But I don't have to listen to you. But exactly. he's like, you. He's like, I'm telling you, Roberto, you need to do it. And uh, <laughs> he's done that to me a couple times. So I love that. He does meet us where we are, and he knows exactly what we need. Yeah. And what you need is not what Roberto needs. Yeah. It's not what um, people that have been on my podcast before need. Yeah. Um, God has met everyone individually in a unique way, and that's what makes him – it just baffles me Yeah. on how awesome our God is. I know. He just – oh, my gosh, there's so many people in the world. Okay. <laughs> we could talk forever about that. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so I, you talked about your family. I mm-hmm. want to go into that for a little bit. Um, why don't you go – Let's. we're now going to dig even deeper. Let's go into um, some deeper stuff of uh, – how was growing up in your family? So let's talk about just how it's been growing up. What was what was it like spiritually, phys- anything like culturally, anything like that? So how was it like? Mm-hmm. So um, I come from a household where my parents were saved when I was young. Mm-hmm. My mom is Vietnamese. Okay. So she was raised from a Buddhist culture. Mm-hmm. She actually wasn't born here. She was born there. So that's their culture. It's not really so much a religion. It is to her parents, but that was their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was raised Catholic. His mom is very, very deep, strong Catholic. Mm. But he didn't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bad boy. So, okay. um, And they met. They became saved when I was uh, really young. And they did the best they could. Um, mm-hmm. They Neither of them had perfect upbringings. And so I think they really desperately wanted to give us a good one, me and my sister. Yeah. And so they tried to live by God's standards. And what that meant was giving us a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in this um, culture where I, I want to say it was pretty legalistic. Okay. Um, the sense of like, do right, do wrong, mm-hmm. do good, you know, you're good. Do bad, you're bad, you know. <laughs> Um, and that was actually the culture I grew up because I went to Christian schools my whole life. Okay. Um, that was the culture that was in my face. But at the same time, 
my parents really did bring God into the household and you know we we had God in our household so like I got to know him through them and, and through that so that was it's not like it's all bad there was still good there but I can't help but remember the bad too yeah, you know so coming from that legalistic mindset was hard um, and my parents you know they're they're really amazing loving people and I think um, something that's so wonderful that I've gained from them is they're they're real Mm-hmm. They are not going to fake it, <laughs> which can be awkward sometimes, but also at the same time, like people love my family because mm-hmm. when they come around them, they know like we're not putting on a facade. This is who we are. And I get that a lot from them. And yeah. I, I love that because that's how God calls us to be, mm-hmm. to be exactly who he created us to be. Not saying you need to be rude when you feel rude about someone like, no, it doesn't give you freedom to sin. Mm. But it's it's a freedom to live exactly into what God has called you to be and to be real about your emotions and mm-hmm. your your shortcomings because guess what? We're all human, yeah. you know? Yeah, I love that and it's so true. I love your dad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tony. <laughs> I love Tony. Hopefully he listens to this. Um, uh, what is something, so that's everything that's kind of happened when you were growing up. Is there something that currently you could say is really shaping and has been they, they've taught you your parents and spe- uh, specifically I mean my parents have taught me a million things yeah. <laughs> honestly I like to say I'm this like perfect combination of my mom and my dad okay I like to believe that whether or not that's true I don't know because you know like they have goods and bads I just gonna take the good okay. um but I think despite my parents like my mom and dad are the two most different people you're ever going to meet on planet earth they have nothing in common Jesus, that's it. That's literally it. That's all you need. That's the only reason they're still together. <laughs> so, and sorry, Mom and Dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, like, literally. So, something that was really impressed on me growing up, and even today especially, is just showing, or just seeing, like, both of my parents, how fully they are committed to their faith, how fully they are committed to each other, and that runs deep. When it gets tough, when it gets hard, when it gets ugly, when it's not pretty, they're still it. They they fight through it. They get through it, and they come out on the other side. Yeah, and that's something beautiful that I saw lived out when I was young, and even today they're still living it out. And so I'm so grateful to like learn that lesson from them because I think a lot of times today it's easy to give up and run or yeah. hide, and it's just that's yeah. just not how they live life, and and it's beautiful. I love it. That's beautiful. Um, Love your parents. <laughs> They're funny story. This is full rabbit trail. By right um, I used to at the Orange Avenue campus. We used to have small groups the same day they did. Uh-huh. Uh, my discipleship group and we parked in the back. And I remember I, they would drive back there and I would stop their car and I would say hi to them every single time. One day, Jeez. it was not them. And <gasps> I stopped this woman, and she looked at me and she was furious. <laughs> Like, I stood in the front of the road, put my hand up, and I was like, stop. And I like was like, oh, that's not Tony. That's not Tony. And I remember she drove by. I don't know who she was. She might have not gone to Discovery, but oh she flicked gosh. me off. It was bad. What? It was so bad. <laughs> oh, it was a great day, though. Our, our group remembers that. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Did you tell my dad that? I did. Oh, my he gosh. Was like, he probably that's loved so funny. it so much. <laughs> okay. Well... We've looked at your current life, your career, that's a big mm-hmm. part of your life, and talked about a little bit about like how um, you are personally, and looked at your upbringing with your family specifically, and 
Um, now I want to go inwardly. Let's uh, let's look at some reflection stuff. And um, this is a question that I think uh, I asked, and you were like, I already know the answer. I have many of them. And <laughs> um, I think we both have the same kind of view on self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I love to look at, even though it's like not many people like to look at things in them, mm-hmm. is my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you this. is What is a weakness of yours um, and... What would you say God's doing in that in that weakness for you? Okay. So I love weaknesses, not because pff, who what really likes being weak, <laughs> but I like weaknesses in the sense of, one, if I know my weaknesses, I can be aware, I can strengthen them, yeah. I can keep myself from falling into them, and two, if I know that I still have weaknesses, I know how much I need God. Mm-hmm. So those two are just really important for me. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I went through this phase in life where I read this book. It's called No Other Idols. And it just like really woke up the sense of, to me of how anything we put before God is an idol. It's not a carbon wooden image. It's mm-hmm. not something you said, you yeah. know, like a statue or anything. It's anything you put before God. It could be food. It yeah. could be shopping. It could be the gym. I mean, I say a couple of those things because, like, I relate. <laughs> I just love food so much. <laughs> Anybody knows me knows that. Um, but anyways, so I think for me, like, really diving deep and asking God, you know, what is that? What is keeping me from putting you first? Yeah. What do I fall into? And he really just revealed to me, and it was like a mind-blowing thing. I was like, whoa. It was my need to be loved by other people and it it really was just mind-blowing because when you figure out like what's the most important thing in your life like what are you putting before Jesus Mm -hmm. you start realizing why you do the things you do yeah and then you start checking yourself Mm because you're like okay why am I really doing this is this really going to give me what I want am I doing what God's calling me to do or am I doing this to get some kind of validation that I feel like I need Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was like a really big light bulb moment in my life. And there's something that I do, um, and I think it's really important, and I tell a lot of people about this. It's I have a thing called a surrender list, okay. and I write down everything on that list that's an idol that I can put before God. And it's simple things, even things like my family. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I should love them, but should I put them before God? No. So I'll have that list and I went through a phase where I prayed that list every day and I was like God I surrender this to you I surrender this to you I surrender this to you and like God and I asked God I'm like please just you know keep this from getting in front of you yeah and I went through this phase of not so fun learning (laughs) (laughs) where God did kind of remove the importance of those things in a kind of painful way some of them yeah and then I remembered okay God is better than these things and he taught me and I had to relearn that yeah and so I think that's important thing is just really being aware of like what are you putting before God what are you finding value and importance in that's good love that and um I think it's just important and I think one of the things you talked about earlier was uh your Enneagram and Mm. uh 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 (laughs) um I I think Enneagram has really blown up blown up recently (laughs) And before that, it was Meyer Briggs, and mm-hmm. uh, before that, like signs have always been a thing. Um, how do you not let your enneagram or something like that, like knowing yourself, because like you said, self awareness is big and key, and, and enneagram helps you know yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's like people are like, that becomes part of their like thing. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're like, my name's Roberto, and I'm an eight. It's like, <laughs> what? 
So how do you not let your Enneagram or even like you said, you know, your Myers-Briggs, how do you not let things like that define who you are? Well, first of all, I have to say that I like the way you said I'm an eight because that's how an eight would say it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an eight. I'm an eight. (laughs) Um, Anyways, yeah, so I love the Enneagram for many reasons, but I think it really got me, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's important to remember with anything, personality tests or whatever, similar things there are, um, where's your identity and what are you rooting your identity in? Mm. And if you root your identity in Christ, the most important thing, who does God say you are? That should define who you are. That should define how you look at yourself and end of story. Everything else is just like a nice little addition to help you learn more about yourself, to help you learn about your humanness and how to like... Just be a better version of yourself, but it does not define you. Yeah, the only so thing that true. defines you is God, and mm. you sure as heck cannot put him in a box. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> put him in a box of just your Enneagram. Right. It's, it doesn't work do like it. that. That's no. not how it works. You're more than an Enneagram. You're more than a four letters. You're more yep. than that. You're yep. more than a sign because you were born in a certain month. Yep, and the thing is, too, is like God can change you. Yeah. You know, so... I'm not saying that you're not you're not going to be your any the the number you are for the rest of your life. You could yeah. be, you could be, you couldn't be, whatever. But God can do anything, so we should not limit to Him to like human tests and you know instructions and little things that we come up with. Yeah, they're just helpful. That's, That's so true. So true. Okay, uh, continuing the personal reflection inward. Uh, I want to talk about this seasons of silence mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I, we, we talked a little about this before and about how you said, like, I can't pinpoint one specific moment or anything like that, but there have been times where, like, you're asking God something. Right. Um, how do you deal with seasons of uh, where you feel like God's being silent to you? Right. So um, something I think is funny, not funny, I don't know if it's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> something that's interesting about this is we tend to look at this question as God is silent overall. And that's true. Sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times in our lives, we are asking God specific questions and he's not answering them, but yet he's present in other areas. And so I think it's important to remember a couple things like God is not silent without reason. Mm. God will speak to you, A, if you give him the space, and B, he's God, so he will speak to you if he wants to. Okay, he's God. God is God. He is God. So... If there's silence, there's a reason. Either you're choosing to shut him out in every area of your life. You are Mm. not being silent. You are not giving him the space. And by being silent, I'm not saying listening to worship music. What I'm saying is literal silence, okay? (laughs) Sometimes we need to quiet ourselves so much because we've deafened God with everything else in our life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just have to strip it all down and give him the ability and the chance and the time to like really speak into our lives. But... What I would say is, like, if God's not answering a question, you know, maybe he never will. Maybe he'll answer it by an action or by another person or whatever. But no matter what, like, there's a reason. Yeah. Because if God wants to really wants you to know something, he will. But like I said, you can't just put your time and your effort into everything and never give him the space and time to speak. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Like, it's a two-way street. Mm. Yes, God's God. He can drop something in front of your face, but at the same time, it's a relationship. It's not just him. It's you. you got to put in your part, too. Yeah, so true. Wow. God is God. <laughs> he, he's done his thing. And I know there's so many stories of, like, uh, 
I, the main thing is like quarantine. Let me right. say this. And yeah. it's like uh, right now, if you feel like God's not speaking to you, that is not his fault. You mm-hmm. have all the time in the world for some people, unless it's like you have a, if you have a job, you have a job. But like you have so much time right now. And I, I forgot when I said this to someone, but it's just if you're not hearing from God right now, that is a personal problem. Yes, but also I think God can be silent intentionally. No, that's true. That's you true. Know? Yes, yes, yes. I think that, but what you were saying on like sometimes it's you. Yeah. That's what I'm touching on. I do think that there are times where God is intentional. That Even in the Bible, that's true, where God has been silent for many years. It's like there was a reason for that. And he had a purpose for that. And I think he is. um, And I think that's important to know. But then it's also like to know is that like looking inward. Is Mm -hmm. there anything I did or I'm not doing or something like that? Am I not making myself available? Am I not doing anything like that? So I think it's just so true with seasons of silence. Right. It's important to know that, yes, God will be silent at times. Yeah. Because there's a reason for it. Yep. Um, but then it's also like, are you allowing yourself? Are you allowing yourself to have silent time? Mm-hmm. Where you're stripping the music, where you're stripping the the, the thing on the, the message that you're playing. Or are you literally just having literal silence with God to let him see if it's, if it's is he being silent? Yeah. And you said that, or you said it when we were talking a lot earlier about how you sit in silence and he might not talk to you the first time or the <laughs> second time or the third or yeah. the fifth. Yeah. But persistence. Yep. And I think that's something that I loved what you said because it was like, even if he's silent, you know he's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's continuing to be persistent with it. Yeah. And and always doing it. It's like never giving up just because the first time he doesn't do it or the second time or the third. God, I gave you three tries. You know what? I'm done now. I'm not, I'm not going to. No, persistent because even though he's silent, he's still there. Yeah. And I love that. So that's great. Well, Krishna. That's actually all the time we have for today. That is, and I, we could keep on talking for probably another 40 minutes, and uh, I would love to, but I, I I know people don't want to listen to that. What? We're awesome. <laughs> they don't want to listen to an 80-minute podcast. It's just, I don't want to listen to it. No, I, I, I It's hard for me to listen to five. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I think we've had fun so far. You've had fun? Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Well, friends, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you can tune in for the next episode. Uh, Krishna is a lawyer, so if you ever need a lawyer for, I don't know what you do. (laughs) We've talked so much, I forgot that. (laughs) So I do estate planning, probate, guardianship, adoption, and So if you need that. Yeah. Hit me up. Hit Hit Krishna up. up. Follow her on social media. She doesn't post anything, but. No, I don't. (laughs) She has it. She has it. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Journey of Being a Disciple podcast.